Hey everybody, this is Alicia with the Self-Awareness Podcast, where we share mental health journeys from all different types of backgrounds. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get right into the show. Hey everybody, this is Alicia with the Self-Awareness Podcast, awareness spelled A-W-E-A-R-N-E-S-S as Awareness Athletics, our fitness brand that represents mental health awareness. So thank you for being here today. I'm so excited to launch this very first podcast of the Self-Awareness Podcast where we share mental health journeys. And today I'm going to be sharing my own mental health journey which is very similar to a fitness journey. My mental health journey actually went hand in hand with my fitness journey. So I will explain a little bit. Fitness journey is a great example to compare it to because when you're on a fitness journey, you're learning new habits, you're learning new skills, you're learning new methods in order to achieve a physical goal, whether that's a certain shape or losing 10 pounds or you know a type of physique. Well, with mental health, We all can learn basics as far as being able to cope with emotions and stress levels and just, you know, day-to-day frustrations that come up that actually affect our mental well-being. So throughout this podcast, I want to share these methods for mental health as far as habits, skills, tools, Uh, resources. There's so many things that you can learn in order to better your mental health, better your overall well-being. Um, But obviously, just like a fitness journey, you have to know how to take that first step. And when I'm sharing my story today, what I've realized through starting my fitness journey and my mental health journey is you do have to start with the basics. And you have to want to learn in order to achieve your goal just like a fitness journey. You have to want to do the work of what it's gonna take for you to learn habits that are going to help you achieve an overall goal of where you strive to be mentally. So again, thank you for being here and let's get right into the show. Let's start off my journey with a little bit about me. I am originally from Nebraska. I joined the Navy when I was 19 years old. I recently just separated from the Navy a couple years ago, and that journey was a seven-year journey, being stationed in Virginia, California, and lots of traveling in between. I was raised with five siblings, and my hobbies growing up was um, being creative as far as doing artistic things, uh, and I really love music. I found music when I was a teenager, my love of indie rock. And yeah, that's a little bit about me and where and how I grew up. So I'm gonna go ahead and play into these questions as far as the questions align with the self-awareness podcast interview. So I'm gonna go ahead and interview myself. The first question is, have you ever had family history of mental illnesses or were you ever exposed to any of those mental illnesses growing up? or can even remember when it first you perceived an idea of mental health or mental well-being. The first thing I want to pull up, which is kind of actually funny, is um, the first thing that comes to mind is I watched a lot of TV. 
I guess as far as being exposed to mental health conditions, I remember people with certain emotions or reactions on TV. So um, yeah, I'm sure everybody can kind of think of something like this as far as, you know, there's a scene in like a 90s movie where the parent upsets the kid and the kid runs into their room, slams their door and like completely, you can obviously tell that they're upset and it was actually like a way of like, they were expressing emotion, but they were expressing, expressing it alone. So actually that is what my first memory of no particular movie, but I'm sure others can kind of get a picture in their head of, of how to react to emotions, uh, situations of frustration and, you know, pretty much anger. And then as far as family, um, I lost my grandmother when I was pretty young. I was 15 years old and I was exposed to those reactions of grief, even if I didn't even realize what grief was. So those mental health symptoms would be, you know, depression, anxiety, high stress levels, obviously dealing with frustration and sadness, anything along those lines. At the time when I was younger, I wouldn't necessarily register it as a mental health condition as far as depression uh, of grieving connecting those two together but i remember just the day-to-days of family members feeling stressed and uh, pretty much just taking those emotions in even when i didn't have a name for it which would actually include myself because in high school i experienced depression uh, shortly after I would say maybe more deeply into a couple years after my grandmother passed away, maybe really channeling in those emotions um, after realizing that her death impacted me more than I have realized. So at that time, dealing with that depression, I felt numbness, I felt anger, I felt irritation, and I was going through all those emotions and didn't even realize that I was experiencing you know, symptoms of depression, which actually leads us to our next question of what mental health symptoms have you experienced before? So me, obviously, I have experienced depression when I was in high school, um, but also when I was in the service, I experienced high levels of anxiety and social anxiety. I went over the kind of symptoms that I felt when I was feeling depressed when I was in high school but also to go more into detail about the anxiety. The anxiety was, was more distinctive in my Navy career, especially during deployment. Um, there would be a time where my stress or my anxiety would be so bad that my left shoulder would be numb. Um, so if anybody hasn't heard this before, uh, sometimes mental health conditions can you know, transition to physical conditions. So that was a condition that I experienced. Um, I would start to feel numb in my left ear. And when my anxiety got really bad, um, it would go all the way down to my arm, even reach to like almost all the way to my left hand. And to better describe that anxiety, before it got to that point, it would it could start off with just feeling um, very fatigued. Um, like I would feel shaky. My mind would feel scattered. I couldn't focus, you know, overthinking. And, and sometimes if I had nightmares, uh, that would 
lead into the next day as far as not being able to sleep, feeling weak the next day, and pretty much just going down that cycle. And the last symptom that I want to focus on is the social anxiety, which would feel pretty much like if I walk into a room, I don't have issues saying hello to the person. It's me saying or figuring out what to say after I say hello. Uh, I would have stomach pains, my mind would be racing, my body would feel shaky, my mind would be cluttered, not knowing how to think or even just, I guess, get the words out of my mouth. Um, so that would lead me to a lot of cases where uh, I would attend in a social event or maybe just show up and then leave or go to a, a public place and then realize there's too much going on. And I felt, you know, a lot of anxiety, so I would leave. So those are the symptoms that I've experienced if you've ever experienced anything like that, now you know for sure you're not alone. Which leads us to our next question, which is, would you say there was a time or a phase in your life where you began to start your mental health journey? And many of you probably have heard this story again, but for those who haven't, I wanted to go ahead and share my experience. So when I joined the Navy at 19 years old, I learned two things. I learned that I liked learning and I also realized that I was really good at my job. So being good at my job was obviously a good thing and ideal, but once I began to excel in my career, I also was increasing the amount of responsibility, responsibility that I had at a young age. So there I was early into my career, doing really good, now having a lot of responsibility. And what I didn't realize is that this responsibility was gonna weigh on me in the way that it did. It began to give me a lot of anxiety, anxiety that I've never experienced before, especially in high school. I just couldn't stop thinking about all the things I had to get done, all the checklists I had to do, you know, all the responsibility I had. This would get to a point where I felt so stressed out that I couldn't sleep sleep at night. You know, couldn't get my mind to stop running. So obviously with the interrupted sleep, I would feel more uh, anxious and fatigued the next day as far as uh, describing that fatigue again. And, you know, cluttered mind and pretty much just felt like mind clutter and um, body fatigue. So I specifically remember a day where I was so stressed out, I like really felt like I didn't know what else to do. And this is when I was stationed in Virginia. And I just felt like, man, like I remember my twin sister did a really good job at her PRT when she was in the military too in boot camp. And I was like, man, it's like so nice outside. Like, what if I just went for a run? Like, what do I have to lose, you know? So I set out, I go figure out this one mile I'm gonna run, and next thing you know, I'm on this run, just you know, focusing one foot after the other. That's all I'm doing, I'm just, that's all I'm thinking about is this run, and I'm slowly getting there, and then before I know it, this run is over. And to my surprise, after this run, I felt like my world wasn't crashing anymore. And this was actually the very first day of my mental health journey. So at the time, I was so relieved to find something that helped me just 
pretty much focus on one thing, not the millions of things I was thinking about at work. But obviously what I actually did was find a coping mechanism that was helping me deal with my stress and anxiety. So to go more into detail on this first time or phase in my life of when I started my mental health journey, I started running every day. Well, not every day. Um, I would say like three times a week, but it just slowly increased because the more that I realized that I liked running, the lower my stress would get. So then I would slowly increase the amount of running or I began to build a sense of confidence, which I have also never experienced before. Um, you know, at first it was, it was that first mile, but then what it was actually doing was creating a sense of confidence in me where I had a goal and I achieved it and then I felt like I could do more. So I started to do the running and then I had this confidence. So I started to do kickboxing. I just start to introduce a lot more diverse um, kinds of workouts into my routine. So along with this time frame, many people may not have known, but I still had no idea about the food that I was putting into my body. So like I said before, I was raised with five siblings and I'm sure I'm not the only person that can relate to this, but when you're feeding a large family, you kind of think more about how much it's going to cost to feed everybody and how to, you know, make large meals every day more than about nutritional facts, which this is nobody's fault. This is just the environment I grew up in. I'm sure others can relate to. Um, but the goal was to, you know, feed everyone. It wasn't about teaching everybody about nutrition. So that is my point of view. I had no idea that food could actually affect your mental health and your well-being because when I could get my hands on some snacks, I am a Dorito and Dr. Pepper girl by heart. If you ever had the two, uh, you probably know what I mean. So, um, but I actually didn't realize, especially when I was out on my own, how much of an impact that food was going to affect my mind and my clarity of mind. So I remember waking up and I'm like, man, like I just caught like nine hours of sleep. Why am I still so tired? Like I, I could barely open my eyes. And then I'm like, man, there's got to be like one thing, one thing that I can eat to make me, you know, less tired. So I don't know what it was, but I incorporated it into my, maybe it was like broccoli or something. So I started incorporating it into my meals. And then a couple of weeks later, I just remember I had this thought. I'm like, oh, it's not just that one thing I incorporated. It's like all the food I put into my body. So I'm like, dang it. <laughs> and to give another example on this, when I was in boot camp, I remember a chief saying um, while we were going to practice our PRT run, he mentioned to all of us like, you know, be careful what you eat and how you eat, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, okay. You know, I didn't know anything about nutrition, so I'm like, I'm going to eat what I want. And he was saying, you know, if you run this mile and you ate McDonald's before and then compared to running the mile and eating, you know, a healthy meal before, those runs are going to feel completely different. So at the time, again, I'm thinking, um, yeah, that's cool, but, you know, I don't know what that means and I've never tried it. So I kind of just put it at the back of my mind. But it wasn't until I had the own click of, oh, yeah, I should probably incorporate more food or better food in order to, you know, feel better. And this was this was physically, but it obviously 
at the time I didn't realize it actually affected my mental health as well. And I think that's just a key example to show kind of stepping stones of how it is a mental health journey. So if I wouldn't have heard him say what you eat before you run a mile, you know, that's going to impact you. Even though it didn't click at the time, it clicked a lot more when I was able to, you know, be aware by myself that food could impact my body and my mind. Hopefully you can find an example or have found an example similar to that situation that kind of also gave you that head start for your mental health journey. Which leads us to our next question is, is there a current or past coping mechanisms you have used for your mental well-being? First, I found working out, I found exercise as my very first and still is one of my main coping mechanisms for, you know, my mental health symptoms, for my anxiety and depression. See, when I started that fitness journey, I wasn't just starting, you know, a weight loss program. I was starting to form habits that I was able to incorporate into my lifestyle. And I have incorporated it into my lifestyle for about, I think it's been like seven years now. And no matter what what your body weight is or your size is or what size of jeans you wear, these habits have been incorporated into my life since that time frame. So even when my weight has fluctuated amongst these um, amongst these years, I always rely on some form of movement or working out in order to benefit my mental health or well-being or you know any type of situation I'm in because it gives me clarity, it gives me a peace of mind and it takes any worry, frustration, troubling thoughts, and it just focuses on one thing, achieving that small goal, which actually builds confidence. And confidence in this mental health journey is also important because, because I'll tie into our next question of how has self-awareness helped you in your mental health journey? Combining the self-awareness in the coping mechanisms. I'll talk about a story that a realization that I had during deployment. So when I was depressed in high school, I felt um, I felt like shutting down emotionally. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just felt and had the assumption that everybody just only thought about themselves and I didn't really want to hear what anybody had to say. So anybody who knew me in high school, you probably knew. Um, yeah, she wasn't that nice in high school, and that is the reason why. So if I was ever mean to you, I'm coming on here vocally, you know, to the world. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to. Um, obviously, I was going through things that I couldn't have explained or obviously had the confidence to tell anybody about. During that deployment, I realized that there were a lot of depressed people on the ship with me because... Uh, when you're on a ship with like, what, 3,000, 3, 5,000 people, you're so much more isolated with your internal emotions, which is what I noticed. Um, you know, I remember when I was younger and kind of, I guess the feeling that I had when I was depressed and I noticed it in other people on deployment. And I'm sure some people have witnessed this before. I had the click in my head on deployment oh my gosh, instead of being depressed and taking it out on people, like when I'm feeling depressed, I could help people feel better. 
<laughs> that was my self-awareness moment. So I had that transition of thought of, okay, let me just approach this depression with the exact opposite method that I used in high school, not shutting down, but showing up for others. So I would just really be a listening ear to others, uh, hear them out, um, check in on them, uh, just really be an open friend that, you know, could be helpful to anybody that's in a you know hard time in their life dealing with those isolated emotions or thoughts so that is how i would say that self-awareness has helped me the most of having that self-reflection of saying hey when i was depressed instead of being upset that everyone is thinking about their own situations because they most likely are but you could be that one person you know i could be that one person that does the opposite and what I realized the most, especially with this self-awareness, is that when I was helping others, being there for others, I felt better. So when I was feeling down during that deployment, I had the self-awareness of, I'm not feeling well emotionally, like I'm having a hard day, I'm having an off day, I'm gonna go help somebody else. And also to my, my surprise, that made me feel so much better. And that was such a key tool as far as a an emotional coping mechanism because instead of finding a way to shut down i was you know now working out helping others which made me feel delighted happy useful hopeful so those were like two main keys that i found when i was on deployment but fast forward to 2020 um obviously it's covid so everything's gonna shut down and to give you a perspective I just moved to California, had a very, very close friend pass away during this time, and my sister and I were now living in California. I wasn't venturing out much because I had the social anxiety. I didn't feel confident about myself as far as the way I was, um, I guess, managing my, my nutrition due to the passing. I think I was... Um, not focusing on my diet as well as I could have been, which was also playing into my well-being. And also to add on the, to this, I was experiencing um, those depression symptoms again at a different level. You know, I was feeling numb. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really feel anything, even though I was in a beautiful place like California. And um, you know, sad. You know, there's. <laughs> I felt like there wasn't. A reason for a lot of things. I felt hopeless, a uh, lack of connection, and that was something that really hit me hard during that time of my life. So keep in mind now, I'll try to do a time frame. So I was about three years into my, nah, about two to three years into my fitness journey and my mental health journey. So it's been seven years now. So let's fast forward to another key coping mechanism that I found, which was finally being able to speak to somebody about how I was feeling. And I also want to point out that I was focusing on eating and working out and helping others. So I was using my main coping mechanisms still. Every, like I still worked out like almost every day as much as I could. You can still experience the symptoms of depressions or, or mental health condition. So back to me learning learning a new skill. Um, when I was learning with my twin, we obviously spent a lot of time together during 2020. 
but she was also my number one resource when it came to um to a support system so i expected her to spend all this time with me uh you can't leave me and all these things which obviously weighed on her a lot too because it wasn't like she was there for me not that she didn't want to be there for me, but she was there in California for herself and we were living together, if that makes sense. And then we began to have more, um, our relationship pretty much form into like, we like to call it like a marriage because we weren't just like living like sisters anymore. We were like obviously maturing in uh, learning different methods on how to approach each other. So I remember many times where I, you know, I guess assume that she knew, like, obviously, don't you know I'm depressed? Like, look at everything that's going on. But it wasn't until we had those first few conversations of, especially when I remember where I told her, I'm like, well, you're, you can't leave. Like, you're my only friend here. <laughs> you know, I lost my best friend and you have to be my friend. And we were kind of like, wait a second is this what we both want? Like we were kind of like trying to talk through it about, wait, she was like, wait, this is what you've been thinking? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, well, <laughs> I don't think we're thinking on the same level right now. So that was kind of one of the first situations. And then the second situation I remember, which was also a moment I had self-awareness that helped me realize, oh my gosh, I am depressed again. Yeah, I was in the grocery store after my friend's, this is probably like a week or two after my friend's funeral. And I bumped this lady in front of me with a cart. I really didn't even realize that I bumped her in the with a cart and she turned around and she looked at me and she was like, um, excuse me. And then, you know, obviously like, hey lady, what are you doing? But, uh, and then I looked at her and I was like, oh my gosh, like I see this, but it almost feels like I'm like, from a third point of view, like I'm just watching this situation go on. I'm like, I feel nothing. Like I should feel, oh my gosh, like I'm sorry, but I just, I didn't have any emotion connected to the whole situation, which where I became aware, oh my gosh, I'm depressed again. So later on that night, I go home, you know, my sister and I are having a conversation and she's saying how, just going on and on about all the things she wants to get done and she wants me to do and you know all these plans that we have and it just felt really loud to me at the time <laughs> you know like when the tv's on really high and you just want to be like oh my gosh turn this tv off so <laughs> that's the example but you know she's going on about all these things and then i just stop and i'm just like i stand there and i like almost shout and i'm like i'm depressed <laughs> like so i almost want to be like oh my gosh, just stop. But I'm just like, I'm depressed. <laughs> and um, she kind of just stopped and like looked at me like a deer in the headlights, like, wait, what? <laughs> because we never, we never, we are twins. We've lived together since we were babies until like early 20s. We have never spoken in that type of language together. So it, it was even a shock for her that I was actually expressing saying words even if it was only two words that was expressing how i was feeling and what i was going through so that was pretty much uncomfortable because it wasn't a habit it was actually a habit that i was building in order to express how i was feeling and that was the habit i was first implementing as far as expressing how i feel 
To fast forward a little bit to current times, we have actually gotten a lot better at communication and expressing how we feel and what we're going through. So actually, let me go through my phone because <laughs> I'll just give you a real life example so you can actually get an idea how to build this skill. I literally just typed in my phone, sad because, <laughs> because now we're at the point where like I can, and this is my support system, my twin sister, anybody else too, um, that I feel comfortable uh, talking to this about, but um, pretty much give a situation, say how I felt about it. Uh, so yeah, here's the example. So also I'm a little bummed because my package got stolen or misplaced and it had all my St. Patrick's Day gear in it. And I, that was something I was really excited about. And how she responded was, I'm sorry to hear that sis, that is such a bum. And then what my sister is doing here with this response is she's validating my feelings. She's validating the emotions of sadness and frustration that I'm feeling. So these are two very simple text messages. But once you build this skill, it makes it so much easier to express those emotions rather than suppressing them, which what I would assume that I was doing when I was in high school dealing with that depression. So even when I was anxious at work, I would say things like, um, guys, I'm having an off day today, just so like everybody around me knows. Uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, things like those things like that. So the people around me, if I'm acting a little differently, people aren't kind of assuming, oh, what's her problem or things like that. They're kind of like, can show you a little bit more empathy as far as um, how you're feeling and kind of work with you rather than assuming because assumption when it comes to mental health is not helpful for anyone. So this would be like the third main tool that I use for my mental health which is telling a loved one, telling someone you trust what your feelings, what emotions are going on, and just any kind of um, situation that comes up where you feel like if I talked about it instead of suppressing this, I can actually feel better. So a little recap on those three main coping mechanisms that I use before we go into our next question. One, please working out some type of movement, which can be anything as far as like going for a walk, um, you know, doing a class, group exercise, anything along those lines. Any type of movement is going to get your body moving. And then the second one is going to be helping others. Helping others when you feel down because it's going to make both of you feel better or who else you're trying to help. And the third one is using the tool, expressing or sharing how you're feeling to a support system. I really hope if you don't already use those type of coping mechanisms that you get a chance to check them out because as far as well-being right now, I just feel so completely stable, lower anxiety. Uh, if I'm dealing with something, you know, if something does arise, I know how to ex express it. I know who to go to. I know even if I'm not feeling well emotionally or dealing with something that I can get through it. I've gotten through depressive episodes multiple times and I know that I can do, do it again because I have now built that confidence that I have a skill that I, I know that I can move forward. Moving on to the last question, do you go to therapy? And the answer to the question right now is, um, 
I am scheduled to get another therapist right now due to moving. Um, but the first time I got therapy, um, well, let me say this. The first time I didn't get therapy was when my friend passed away. And probably, you know, any type of grieving, I would recommend therapy. Um, just so you have someone to continue to talk to and pretty much learn about skills or approach situations or um, different methods on how to handle a situation when it comes to your uh, emotions and well-being. But I still personally felt after my friend passed away, even though I was dealing with depression again, that I had the tools already that I felt like I could get through this episode, get through this time with the resources I already had. Uh, right before COVID happened, I was going to see a therapist. We had our first session. She didn't make me feel, or maybe I can better uh, say this as I didn't feel as connected with her and her style of counseling. Uh, it just wasn't comforting to me. It just felt more direct and challenging. And obviously therapy can be challenging and you want it to be, but, but if you don't feel comfortable um, talking about your present past and future with somebody. Um, this is my opinion, but I think you could probably find a different therapist that you can better relate to. So COVID happens and I kind of just shut down the whole thing. I had one session and I said, no, I'm okay. So I wait one year. I wait one whole year to start therapy again. I guess I finally felt ready to start working on some internal feelings uh, beyond what I was already doing. And I use psycholo my psychology today. I use a, a referral program that I had in the military. And I found a therapist that was near me, took TRICARE. Main thing, she was really close to me. She was like a block away from me. And I'm like, okay, I'm sold because the last therapist couldn't work with my schedule. And that also made it difficult. And then our first session, she just felt welcoming and and we connected really well and later on as we continued our sessions I realized that personally like we had a lot of similar situations which made me feel um, less alone as far as her experiences were similar to mine but yeah it was it was comforting to have someone to not only my my support system but someone to follow follow along the story of things that I was going through as far as dealing with the past, the present, and the future, uh, we would really talk about the past situations of what I was grieving with at that time. Um, and then we would you know, talk about things I was doing currently, and then even speak about future situations that I wanted to work on. Uh, but it was also comforting to have someone to talk to at least once a week about what happened throughout my day. I really like therapy because I can go to one person who is educated and certified and saying, what is the best situation? How, what, how can I react to this? Because this is the way I reacted and I want to react a different way, but I don't know how. So that's where I stand with therapy. I'm currently looking for a new therapist. I am also um, looking to start a therapy group. I have tried support groups and, and I would like to do that. Um, more specifically on like a more specific topic level and so I'm really excited for this group therapy and you know having an individual counselor again so that is where I stand so everybody 
I hope this episode is as valuable to you as it would have been to me a few years ago when I started my mental health journey. I just want to thank you again for being here and uh, to let you know if anybody hasn't told you lately to give yourself some grace. Sometimes we can get so ahead of ourselves and put so much pressure on ourselves, I know that I do, that we can really forget to give ourselves some slack and, and just really like emphasize um, how proud we are of ourselves when it comes to being patient with our mental health journey. So, uh, you know, for my example, it took me seven years to even get to the point where I am today. I thank you for joining the show. I'm excited to you know, show different types of backgrounds, show different types of examples. So it could help you if you haven't already started your mental health journey or just progress where you want to be. I'm always learning, I'm always striving to learn more and help more when it comes to the mental health community. So it means so much that you're here today and that you're listening and supporting this community here. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this first episode. Can't wait to share more and thank you guys. Have a great day. Hey everybody, it's Alicia. Again, thank you for joining the show. I wanted to come on here and give you a little tool that I use for free for my mental health. It's called Vent for 60 Seconds. It's a website which is linked simple as that, www.ventfor60seconds.com. So you go on there, it literally gives you a countdown. Three, two, one, and that's right. You just vent, you type, whatever is bothering you for 60 seconds. Sometimes we can't get a hold of our support system as a friend or a family member that we trust who we can vent to about um, situations, feelings, or just emotions that come up that may be upsetting at the time. This app is so helpful because when your support system can't immediately always be there, this app, this website is always there. So I highly recommend it. Honestly, last week I was feeling frustrated about a couple emotions that came up, I was pretty upset, and I was sitting in class thinking about this situation over and over again in my head. So I said, oh, well, I have this tool, why not use it real fast? I'm sitting in class, I type www.ventfor60seconds.com, and I vent, and I carry along the rest of my day, feeling better, feeling less agitated and irritated and upset about the situation that arise that day. So please give it a try. Let me know what you think. And guys, have a great day. Thank you.